0: Hello, I'm Rochelle Humes and welcome to the My Little Coco podcast. Every child is completely different and what they want and need is never the same. As parents trying to work out so the house, do the best job we can in bringing up our children, I know too well just how overwhelming that can be. In this podcast, I'm going to be speaking to my guests about their parenting journeys, what they've learnt along the way and what they still need to figure out we'll be talking about the challenges we now face as parents in the digital age whether our upbringings have impacted our parenting styles and how to balance your career with parenthood before i introduce my guest i just want to say a huge thank you to boots parenting club for sponsoring this series As most of you know, My Little Cocoa is stocked exclusively at Boots, and as a little treat for everyone, they're offering 15% off of My Little Cocoa products online, excluding the 26th to the 29th of November. You just need to use the code MYLITTLECOCOA15 at checkout. Right, let's start the show. Today it is my total privilege to be joined by this wonderful woman. Growing up in London she's the eldest of three and a mother to two. A news presenter on both TV and radio and possibly best known for being one of ITV's Loose Women, it's the wonderful Charlene White. I'm keen to talk to her about the way her parents have shaped her as a mother and how it is actually okay to have it all. Here is the incredible Charlene White on the My Little Coco podcast. very much for doing this. Oh, no, it's very exciting, Michelle. This is very nice to have a little natter. And what I love what I love about this because we're not one of those podcasts where we are using the visual element. I am currently, just to give you a picture, in my dressing gown with my cup of tea here. My cup of tea. I've got two clips in the side of my hair and zero makeup. And Charlene and I had a brief <laughs> WhatsApp conversation before this. And she was like, is this the sort of thing I need makeup for? I'm
1: like, hell no. Yeah, i sat here <laughs> in my office, uh, also with no makeup on. So I don't technically need to put it on for a couple of hours. I just couldn't bothered Yes. let be bothered. Let's give, let's give our skin a brief. Yeah. Should we do <laughs> that?
0: Um, so I want to sort of go back... And talk about you before you were a mum, first of all. Because remember that. (laughs) Remember. Oh. There there, there wasn't us before we were mothers. (laughs) Who knew? Who knew?
1: So... So you grew up in Greenwich. No, I'm Lewisham, actually. So I'm a, I'm a, yeah, I'm a Lewisham girl. So just next door to Greenwich. What, how did that look for you? What was your childhood like growing up in Lewisham? Well, um, I'm the child of immigrants. So it was very much, a, I would say, a very typical child of immigrant upbringing, really. So, um... There was always, like, loads of people in our house. There's always loads of food. My my parents loved entertaining, so we they sort of had, like, an open-door policy so our friends could come and go as they pleased. Um, there would always be food there for them. It didn't matter what time of day they turned up at my house. There would always <laughs> be food, because my mum was a feeder, so she loved doing all of that stuff. And my parents worked really hard, so my between them, sort of five to six jobs between them as I was growing up, because they wanted to send wow. us to private school because my dad got here in his late teens, but my mum went to secondary school here um, and she didn't have a really good um, experience of going to secondary school, state school here as a as a black Caribbean immigrant. So she just figured that if they don't spend money on anything else and work really hard and send us to school, maybe we wouldn't have the same experience um, and hopefully do better... Than they did, I guess, when they first got here. But it was a very normal upbringing. It was going to the market in Lewisham on a Saturday morning, um, Deptford Market on a Sunday morning, um, Saturday soup. It was going to church in the church van on a yes. Sunday morning. It was all of that stuff. And the Saturday soup lasts from the Saturday until, oh. <laughs> until the next one. Oh. It, <laughs> it was gorgeous. And it was that smell of walking into the house when oh. you know she's cooking Saturday soup. And it was just like, it was wonderful. Now, now I have kids i don't know how she found the time to do that with three kids um but she always seemed to find time to make sure that there was food on the table um which i think as i'm older i'm so hugely appreciative of
0: yeah and and it, and it, it is those things that you don't realize until you're older until you yes. until you lead that busy lifestyle where like you know real life stuff and you're <laughs> like how did you how
1: did you even find the time to chop
0: the stuff that goes into the Saturday soup let alone cook it for everybody
1: <laughs> exactly because my dad my dad would work sort of split shifts so we'd be doing the uh post office in the morning We'd mm-hmm. leave out at half five in the morning um and then he would pick us up from school at like three and then he'd go back out to work at five mum would come home just beforehand but in the morning mum was preparing food I remember she'd like prepare and season meat put it in the in the oven and put it on a timer and then we'd come home from from school and there'd be warm food for us to eat and dad would finish off and cook a bit of rice or whatever and there by four o'clock would be sat and would be eating because she'd already pre-prepared everything and it's that level of organization yes oh my god that's what i was going to say
0: it's a different level of organization and when you are working so many jobs like That's hard. That is no mean feat
1: at all. Yeah, I do remember. I don't know what it was like in your house, but on a... On a Sunday, it would be a typical Caribbean dinner. Monday would be leftovers. Tuesday was usually rice uh, with something. Wednesday, maybe fish. Thursday, rice again, but usually with, like, corned beef or sardines <laughs> or something. And Friday was when we'd have... When they'd just stick something in the oven. So now I get why she did that. Because yeah. she didn't have to, like, bother her brain with trying to figure out what to cook.
0: Yes, absolutely. absolutely that. And the logic is there. It's just not... But that does take a serious amount of organisation, I do have to say <laughs> You've spoken a lot, Charlene, um, about being from an immigrant family And I love, I love how much you talk about your life and, and what shaped you as a woman And you released a documentary um, a little while ago Talking a bit about that Do you think your childhood has shaped you as a parent? Do you, do you share similar parenting styles to your mum and dad? Yeah,
1: I often, when I'm telling my kids Mm. off, (laughs) I often can hear my (laughs) mum or dad's voice as it's leaving my mouth um, because I end up saying like the same things, Um, you know, and and it's because they just repeat it time and time and time again you know show me your friends and I'll show you who you are um, you know uh, uh, who, do you, who do you think you're talking to me and you are not size Alfie you know all of that sort of thing <laughs> <laughs> you know and it's like I do not need to hear your voice Alfie I don't there's no reason for me hearing your voice right now there's just no need for it whatsoever um, you know and my mum would say I don't know who you think you're talking to um, when they're shouting and I, I found, I find myself saying exactly the same things. Um, and also kindness. My parents, my mum was a social worker, so she she raised us to be very kind and to be very courteous and to have really manners is a massive yeah. thing for my parents and a massive thing for me. So you know, we'll go into the coffee shop and I'll buy coffee and I always make sure they say good morning to whoever is in the coffee shop. You say good morning. They ask, how are you? You answer. You make sure that they can hear your answer. You also ask them how they are. You know, it's about confidence. And I realised that when my mum would do that to me when we'd be in the market, it's because she was teaching me confidence. Yeah. And also... You know, if he's, you know, before he leaves a birthday party, he has to find the parent, find the mum or dad, and he has to find them and say, Thank you very much for having me. And then we can leave because that's what my mum used to do to me. Um, because it's about having manners and it's not just about having a party, it's also being grateful and thankful that somebody has chosen to invite mm-hmm. you. And now mm-hmm. he does that as, as normal. When we finish, he'll, he'll wander off, he'll find a parent, he'll say, Thank you very much for having me. And it's all those things that I really. I as an adult they would constantly constantly be on and on and on at me about as a kid because those things help shape you as a as an adult you you were kind to people you noticed people you were grateful for the things you have in your life and it's understanding that you have great things and great love that not everybody has and and it's yeah he, and they taught me that and I think that is a massive part of why I am the way I am I want my kids to have that too it's, it's so important and it, and it really those little things I mean it's so cliche to say
0: that but those little things that take seconds in the day they are so important to instill from such a young age and I'm I'm so with you there because that's one thing I don't know about you but in life that fills me with pride And I'll go to a parent's evening and they'll say oh you know they're doing great in this and and you know and I'll be honest with you like that sort of just sort of noise to me but the the moment that I switch on is when they tell me that they're kind and particularly with my eldest, you know, because I've gone to a lot more parents' evenings, obviously for her. And when they say that she makes sure she doesn't leave anybody out and she always, if somebody asks them her how she is, she always says, I'm good. Thank you. How are you? And it's those little things that to me as a parent, they fill me with pride like no other. And I'm always, well, I'm always rushing to a parents' <laughs> evening, as you know, from work out of the studio. Yeah. <laughs> (laughs) I'm normally late And I've had to send an email To say I'm sorry I'm half an hour late And I've held everyone else up So by the time I've got there I'm stressed And then they say something like that And I will cry Like Marv Marv has to prep me He's like just try Especially now Because of COVID Like we don't know the teachers Right We don't Like we've moved up the year And because the world Has been so funny I've not really got a rapport with them It's kind of been Sort of stop Drop and go system So we had a parents evening And I actually cried And I thought I don't know this lady, really. And she's probably thinking, wow. I'm like, it's been, a, it's been a really busy week and a really long day. And you've said something that my daughter was polite. And it made me feel like, OK, maybe I am doing OK yeah, after all. It's,
1: it is. And I think people really underestimate how important kindness and manners are at that age. Because I think you can tell as an adult, those adults who weren't taught that as kids. And it's, yeah. it's the you know where they don't seem to to care about people enough to to ask them how they are, to you know, if you're walking into work and you're walking into an office, and you know, you've got the receptionist or the security guard, and you can tell those people just breeze past and never really acknowledge those people. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I was saying, my gosh, your parents didn't really teach you manners, because my God, could there's absolutely no way in the world that I could walk past anybody and not say hello if I was around <laughs> my mum, because the telling off that I would get when I got home, because she said I had embarrassed her. You know, and that was a big thing not embarrass me so you have to say hello yeah. to people and I do that yeah. as, as normal as an adult because I don't know I don't know any different and I think it's important that people do not underestimate that the things you teach your kids as kids it does bleed through to adulthood
0: it absolutely does and I think sort of that's that's one side of parenting and I suppose one side that's really shaped you but another thing I know is important to you it's so important to us as, as a family is educating our children about their heritage and I think for us that's 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 day-to-day and that is it's it's so important to me I wonder how how you do that and what your approach is
1: um we do it with books so, mm-hmm. um I sign up to the uh, service Wake babies so they get a delivery of diverse books every month which we read through um it's things like you know also making sure you see family you know family is culture so making sure that that you are aware of who you are because you know your your family and your roots yeah exactly and I went in and there, there was method to this madness I did the Black History Month talk for all of Alfie's classes at school so he's, he's in reception who's so only just started, 30 kids to a year, three three classes. And I said, look, I'll come in and do the, the Black History Month talk. Much, oh I love and that and much like you say the teachers don't necessarily know us that well because you don't see them as much as, as no. you used to um mm. so the teacher was like okay so you know how long would you need you know you know you know we can give you five minutes per class we can give you 20 minutes per class and I was like oh bless you you don't really know me that well do you I'll just take I'll just take the full 20 were <laughs> so, oh, you sure oh yeah, yeah, yeah don't you worry about that I can fill it it will be fine um, um, you know because I thought it was it was important to kind of go in I came in with props and a world map and you know was talking to all the kids about where their families come from and then specifically talked about where Alfie's family comes from and and why the history is important and then we we sang songs we played music we danced we did all of those things because I think that is hugely important I think my kids knowing where they come from yes is key but also for them to be around kids who also understand yeah because because yeah. I want Alfie to feel like, or Florence when she's in school, to feel like she, they're the only ones that know this about this incredibly rich history. Mm. It's important that we all know. And I believe that comes from from kids.
0: Agreed, agreed. That's really special. And how, how did Alfie feel when his mum was at school? Like, you know, because like, you always think, you like to think, your kids think you're cool to a degree. <laughs> um, I got asked to host something for a school. It was a couple of years ago. It was around Christmas. It was a winter ball. And I couldn't work out if she was embarrassed <laughs> or or excited. It was a real
1: fine line, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because I've got experience of this with my brother. So I helped mm-hmm. to raise my brother when my mum died. He was eight. I was 21. So I... I Assumed that I was, that was a pretty cool situation to be in. That the person that's coming to your parents' evenings is like a young person. That's pretty cool. To have a really close relationship and then he hit his late teens. And then was suddenly, like, really embarrassed to have me hanging, hanging around. <laughs> I was devastated. Yeah, of course. And when he turned 21, I arranged for me and a few mates to go, because he we went to Union Brighton. So I arranged for... Me and my friends hired, like, this lovely apartment in Brighton so that we could take him and his friends out on a Saturday night for dinner, um, you know, maybe to a few bars or what have you. My brother barely turned up. Didn't turn up with his friends. He was like, oh, well, we're going out later. I went, yeah, but... I thought we were all going out together. I thought, well, why would we all go out together? Because, well, because that was the plan. I was so upset with Oh I was my god! So upset because he'd reached yeah. that age where actually hanging out with me wasn't cool anymore. It wasn't. It wasn't the vibe. No. <laughs> and having his thirty-year-old sister turn up with her friends to, t- I was willing to pay for them all to go for dinner and take them all out for drinks. And even that wasn't enough. He was like, "Well, no, I'm going out with my friends." And I was like, "All right." Oh right, wow. okay. Well this was a bit of a oh, no. of a wasted journey. Yes, actually now yeah. he he in later years he always apologises that night. He says, I know I shouldn't have done that. It was just
0: you know, oh, know, love him. It's just, a bit, it's just him. a bit
1: weird having my sister kind of turn up for my birthday. I was like, no, well, we no. <laughs> <laughs> but we've all had that moment. We've all had that embarrassment somewhere yeah.
0: down the line. We definitely have, but it's just not nice when you're <laughs> on the other
1: end of it. I was so upset because I was so excited about his 21st. But with Alfie, when I turned up, when I was coming to school, and he was like, so is everybody's mummy coming to school? I was like, no, no, just me. But why? Well, because I'm coming to teach you. He was like, oh, right. Then about 30 seconds later, so just you not everybody else's <laughs> yeah um, and then when I got into his class I think he would have loved he it he did he sat there and he was all pretending to be shy once everyone realised that I was his mummy and stuff and he was really really pleased and then wanted to come with me to the other classes and his teacher went no you have to stay oh. here and then he was a bit like oh right well then I don't understand why she's here then if I can't go with her? Yeah. Um, but I think yeah. he was... She's, well, mi- she's mine. Yeah. <laughs> she's she's mine. How dare she? But he's at that age, I don't know what yours are like, where he's... Where people kind of come up and say hello to me and he finds it really weird. And it's like, why... Yeah, yeah. Why is that woman saying hello to you, mummy? So he's at that age where he's learning. And, I,
0: and that's a really weird thing to... I remember the first time that happened with Alaya, actually. She was kind of really... Weirded. Why? Why do they? And I like to really explain to her. You know that sometimes that you know, mummy does this on the tape TV, and it was a really weird. Everything else in life, I'll call my mum or I'll call my aunt to be like, okay, what do I do? She's come home from school and she said this, but that, that's that one sort of situation where they're like, mm, I don't know. How would you handle? You know, it's a really weird. It's a really weird concept for them to understand. She understands it now, and I think. And it, you know, but sometimes she says she comes home from school and she'll say things like, uh, my friend has asked me if you could sign a picture of her. She's like, it's really weird. Are you going to do it? <laughs> you know, like she's like, oh, yeah. Like it's it sort of she rolls her eyes to it now. Where it was it was she's like she she'll be nine in May. So I think she's sort of getting to the point where it was quite exciting last year, but now it's a little bit like, "Mm, now it's just annoying. Yeah. Yeah, Now it's, it's it's really annoying, Mum. It's really annoying. Um, you, you spoke about raising your brother at, at quite a young age after a really, you know, traumatic circumstance. And I can, you know, I can just imagine how, how that was and what a, real life change that would have been for you and for your family, um, for obvious reasons, for losing your mother and then having that level of responsibility. How, how did that look when you're going through something so, well, grief is a, is a real, well, you know, and I've experienced that particularly in the last year quite heavily and it's it's a real they say it takes as long as it takes right um and when when you're going through that but then you also have that responsibility how how did that look for you
1: well it's 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 god I mean it's fascinating because you become a parent and you realize just how difficult things would have been for my mum so she first became ill when i was 16 17 right that's when she was first diagnosed and what i i realized in later life from that point she started preparing me you know she didn't die till like five years later but she didn't know at that point what her lifespan was going to be yeah she she was going to beat it she didn't know it was going to take her but she started preparing me from that moment so from that moment at 16 17 at 17 during sixth form Um, I was allowed to miss morning assembly because I would take my brother to to school. I'd get my brother and sister especially when she was having treatment in the morning. So I you know I'd get up, do breakfast um, uh, help them get the both kids together. My sister was old enough to take herself to school. I would drop my brother off to school and then I would go into school myself. So if you're starting to do that at 16, 17 you're already taking on responsibilities that most people my age didn't have to Because it was so early, it became my normal. So doing parents' evenings, doing the school drop-off, doing um discipline, uh, you know, it gets the point where my dad would be like, you do this, or I'm calling your sister, because I was very I was very good at discipline, Michelle. I, was I love that. I very good at discipline. I love that. Um, you know, and then when it, <laughs> So when she then left, it wasn't like suddenly things changed change responsibility-wise. I'd already made the decision quite early on. I didn't go away to uni. I stayed in London for uni. That was a very conscious decision at 18 because I didn't want to leave my family to try and navigate this whole cancer thing without me so I, I turned down going to uni outside of London so I could stay at home I chose to find a job that I could my first job at 21 that I could stay in London for and commute out so I'd drive down to Maidstone to work every day but I would come back home so all of my life decisions were made around making sure I was there as a constant. Conscious, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm, so when, mm-hmm, she, when mm-hmm. she went, it wasn't that I had to navigate suddenly taking on a load of stuff. What I had to navigate was my own grief, really. Yeah.
0: Um, and, what, and that's the hardest part.
1: It is. That's the hardest part. It is. Yeah. And, you know, what I, I don't ever shy away about talking about grief to anybody because I think it's healthy. When you become embarrassed about talking about it or you become uncomfortable about talking about it that's when things get pent up and and at some point will just blow and I think if you are honest about it and you're open about it it really does help because what I sort of say to people, because we're this is the 20th year, it's the 20th anniversary of my mom dying this April. And all I sort of say to people is the grief never goes, it doesn't go, ever, how can it? Um, you just learn to live alongside it. And it, the last time it really came to a head was when I became pregnant with Alfie, which it was always going to, it was always going to, because... I, she would have been the first person i call. She would have been the person that would have accompanied me to to appointments. I would have had her in the room with me giving birth. All of those things that other people do with their mum, I knew I wouldn't have that person. So it was a very conscious decision for me to go to into therapy for a few sessions just to make sure that mentally I was strong enough to be able to deal with becoming a mum, to be able to deal with everything that was going to come but without her. And I didn't want to be having those months of being pregnant, constantly being upset about her not being there, to constantly, to be to give birth and be upset all the time that she wasn't there with me. And so I made sure I went into therapy in the early months of me being pregnant with Alfie, just that I was strong enough to be able to deal with it. And that was the best decision I ever made. Yeah, do you, and do you know what it, it is for most people? And I love that you're speaking about this because
0: there's still that weird and i and i speak about it you know i therapy is something that i actually learned quite young in life i we were in the group and i um we moved to la for a period of time and in la and it sounds like it's like this like real showbiz thing and it's not i moved to america i was working in america and in america as we know they are very open in talking about therapy and People You'll have a conversation With someone And they'll talk about it Like a nail appointment I've got I've got I've got got a blow dry At 10 And at 12 I've got I'm, I'm in with my therapist Like it's They're so open with it But we have that Sort of real I suppose that real British view of like, everything's fine. Have a cup of tea. It'll be lovely. In the last couple of years, well, the last few years, we're a lot more open to talking about mental health and it makes us, it's definitely a more comfortable conversation to have now than it was. However, there's, we're still so sort of archaic in the view that, you know, go to the dentist, go to the therapist, have a, make sure you have your checkup at the do- It's It's no different. And it's really, it's really important to speak to somebody that,
1: doesn't know you in the way that everybody else does, you know? Yeah. And to help and sometimes we just need a bit of guidance and to make sure that the feelings that we have isn't you know, it they're not weird, they're not bizarre, you're not gonna completely destroy yourself. You know, it's all these things you need someone to sort of talk to and talk things through with and it's cathartic. I remember my first Oh, I my first therapist appointment uh, when I was pregnant. I think I just cried for an hour. I think that's all I did was just like cry for an hour. Um and then I kept going, Oh I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, and then bursting into tears again with every question she'd asked me. But actually even just the action of doing that was like it was like just letting go, letting Release. go of that yeah. And it was it was it was incredible. And I'm so thankful that I had people in my life who could suggest the correct person for me to to go to and that didn't find it weird that I needed to go that was like yeah no I agree that's a really good woman you can go to contact her and it'll be fine and it really was
0: and it's that it's it's sometimes it's that real sort of I always say that non-judgmental ear and it's not that you have family members or friends that are judgmental it's not that it's it's the fact that sometimes you could you might hold back a little bit because that could affect that person, or that could make them feel. So, so you then sort of filter what you're saying, and you're not maybe being truly open without, act, like, subconsciously, without realising it. So, just to have somebody that this situation may not affect is actually there's something like you say really cathartic about it. And I think the more that we talk about that and being open to that, the better. Yeah, I agree. I agree you, You've you also spoke about uh, Faith being a big part of your childhood Has that sort of Filtered down into
1: your parenting too? Um, I, I always sort of say My mum would be turning in her grade But I do not <laughs> take my kids to, to church every Sunday because that's how we were, were raised. We say this um, about our grandparents. Oh my God, my granddad, yeah. honestly. I mean, I promised my granddad when my mum died, I promised him that I would make sure that my brother went to church every Sunday morning and I, I didn't. He was a rugby player so I would always be taking him to, to rugby on a Sunday yeah. morning anyway. Um, and I know my granddad would have been angry about that and I know that wherever he is in the universe um, uh, he would be very angry that I don't take my kids because I have an uncomfortable relationship with with Faith Um, and I think it probably yeah, it started in my mid-teens it's just sort of the, the things that I was being taught a lot of it didn't make sense to me so the constraints where women are concerned Mm -hmm. the um constraints where where uh, not being heterosexual is concerned yeah you know there are all these things that didn't make sense in my real life that I was being taught um in in church and it just didn't make sense to me so I I chose to dip out of it in my mid to late teens, despite the fact that my mum was still going, but she gave us the choice as to whether we wanted to go or not. Um, But the fundamentals of who I am and my moral compass comes from me having been raised in, in the church. And I know that 110%. The way that I look at the world, the way I... I feel about other people, the way, the need to, to make people understand that giving back to other people shouldn't be a choice. It should It's what you should just be doing. All of that stuff comes from having been raised in the church. Um, and I do feel an awesome amount of guilt that my kids don't go every Sunday. But that's also because I haven't found a church that I feel comfortable with. And I'm, yeah, so I'm not going to put them in any old church. Because, no, of course, and it's yeah. a big. It's a big decision.
0: Yeah, it really is, and I think you know we were the same. Particularly Marvin. He Sunday school was a thing for him every Sunday, and he said he remembers thinking when he was younger and he would be bored, and his uncle would pick him up on the on the bus, and they would take it in turns. And he, you know, Marvin has like fifty cousins in London. You know, that was a big part of his childhood, and he remembers. He said as a teen, thinking, "Do I have to go?" And it was very much part of his life and so you know and and equally with me and we we christened all three of our children but we have definitely dropped the ball on how much we go to church and it like you say it's something that fills me with guilt I don't know whether it's that we've moved you know to various places around London and we haven't found that right home for us yet but it's something that we said we're definitely going to do
1: better with this year yeah because it's it's you know I've looked I just I just can't and I keep going to different churches and then they do something that just annoys me and I'm, like, I'm not going yeah yeah but I still am drawn towards the church so you know I made sure I went to church just before Alfie was born because I just wanted to feel like I had brought him into a spiritual place before he came out of my belly and I did the same thing and when he was quite young I tried a few churches with him I went into a church and just sat with Florence when I was pregnant with Florence so I kind of wanted to feel like you know spiritually I had introduced them to something within the belly and that they were protected and that I guess giving birth would be okay which I know may not make a lot of sense to anyone else but I don't care it made sense to me um, of, course, so, of course so you know and I try to sort of find try and find places that I feel comfortable with but I just haven't found one yet and I I feel like once I find it I'll know
0: yeah a hundred percent and that's what you have to go with your gut with everything right I want to ask you what do you think the biggest thing you've learned about yourself is since becoming a parent and then also I want to ask the thing that you're still trying to figure out. <laughs> I mean, everything.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I well pre, uh, I did a lot of. It's hilarious. Carol on on Loose always finds it. Hearing about my life pre loose and pre kids, she finds fascinating because she sees me now as sort of being really quite prim and proper, really organized, um, really on the ball. And anytime she hears any stories of my debauched behavior in my 20s and my early 30s, she's genuinely shocked. She's she can't marry the two. Shocked. She just can't at all. Um, and I would say to her, there's a reason why I can work a full-time job and two part-time jobs and very little sleep and having young kids because i had a lot of training um of not getting a lot of sleep and working a full-time job in my 20s because i was raving so much so i was doing a lot of going straight from the club to work a lot um and so (laughs) we all did we all did oh my god like especially when i worked at radio one I miss that level of stamina. (laughs) Yeah, when I think about it now, like I would be at at New Year's Eve parties in Brighton with my friends, getting back to London at five o'clock in the morning and behind a desk at Radio 1 at six o'clock in the morning, having clubbed all night. I mean, it's just insane. And one thing I've learned definitely learned learned about myself since becoming a parent is I sort of still do have that stamina, maybe not for dancing all night but definitely for not getting a lot of sleep and still getting up in the morning jumping in the shower getting to work and working a full day you see it was all in preparation Charlene definitely
0: (laughs) it was all it it was all part of the bigger picture (laughs) I need to rave now because one day There'll be a different kind of rave. <laughs> I'll be up all
1: hours feeding a baby. Uh, and that'll be <laughs> funny, Rochelle, but, you know, I've seen you on the dance floor on your Insta stories, you know, winding on down and spitting on the mic. You know it, girl. Do you know what? It's just don't give me... I say to Marvin,
0: at this, when we go out, I'm like... Don't let me go crazy tonight Because I just get a little bit You know mum's out she's She's got a night off I've got mum <laughs> Particularly if like My mum or my sister Have stayed over Like I know It's not a babysitter Like they will literally Get up in the morning And it's fine I can just make the most of it um, But every time And I say Just do me if favour, Just date If I Because he always DJs You know Comes with the territory I'm always the The DJ wife that's dancing on my own. I'm like, just don't let me steal the mic from you, please. Just don't. Like, just, you know, I'm telling you now. But then he says, once I've had a couple tequilas, I'm like, give me the mic, give me the mic, give me the mic. That's your cue to go, no. But yeah. And then there I am on Instagram stories. uh, It's all very real the next morning. (laughs) Honestly,
1: it just, that lifted my heart so much. Because that is what I miss. I, I do... I do miss that sort of life where you are just going out for the night, there's a great DJ playing, you're dancing all night without the fear of, oh I still got to get up in yeah. the morning.
0: it's having that little thing, that. that voice in the back of your head that goes, you're having fun now but in a few
1: hours yeah. you've got to be away. You're going to pay for it later, yes. I definitely do miss that and I think that's what, in terms of the things I'm looking forward to as my kids get older, it's that really, you know, I love being a parent, I love sort of M- molding little mini me's um of which my daughter is very much a mini me um <laughs> she's like two going on to 17 love it um and when her brother's upset she's the one patting her when we flew back from fort ventura mm-hmm. he'd fallen asleep on the plane and she was sat next to him patting him on the back oh. um, patting him as he was sleeping and going alfie's all right mummy i was like oh yeah thanks for letting me know Florence oh, you're literally oh, too. I um, love her but it's <laughs> but it's that sort of thing where people she's brilliant but it's that sort of thing where it's knowing that I can have a really lovely night out and that those two can look after themselves in the morning because my sister is at that stage at the moment because <laughs> my niece is, is 12 is 11, 12 um, and so she can kind of go out have a good night and my niece is getting herself up having breakfast and sitting and watching telly until she gets up and I'm like oh God, I'm literally like a decade away from that stage Yeah. but it's coming <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's
0: the one thing we know that does that, yeah when I hear that I'm like yeah that's bliss
1: oh that really is gosh. bliss and
0: then that takes away the fear doesn't it? When yes, you're like, yes. Yeah. It
1: takes away the fear that you have when you're dancing. Yeah. You're like, I oh, want to have a really good night without the fear. That is, yeah. at this stage in my life, that's what I want. A good night out without the fear.
0: Right. I'm going to do something now that we call My Little Questions. And they come from a layer. My eldest daughter and I tell her who I'm talking to and then she asks you a couple questions. So yay. Here we go. Here's her first one. Hi Charlene. My mummy said the news is very important. Have you ever
1: said the wrong thing?
0: that was the first thing she said because I was explaining that you host the news and you know in our house Alea she I don't let the kids watch our news right they have um, they have what's it called at school they have like a kid um, I think it's called newsroom or something what's the what's the children's yeah yeah, news round news round news round round. yeah and they have it at school which is lovely so she'll like She'll tell me... You know, they're allowed to watch news round in the break, which is great at school. God, oh, that's good. Um, yeah, which is really nice. So she'll tell me certain things, and that's sort of how I like her to digest the news. So I always explain to her. And the first thing that she said to me was, uh, well, do you think she's ever said anything wrong? That's quite scary. You know, like almost the amount of pressure to convey the news in the right way.
1: Um, God, there is a situation, and I can't think of the word now... It was when I was presenting on um, on One Extra and we used to obviously read texts and stuff as they would come in. Twitter wasn't a thing then, That um, we'd read texts. And there was a word, oh my goodness me, it will come to me, but there was a word that was in a text. And essentially, in my naivety, I didn't realise this particular word was actually a swear word. In my naivety, I just thought it was like a normal, just a normal word. So I, I'm there with the DJ G-Money because he was my co-presenter and the t- t- texts are coming in. I read this text and suddenly, like, everybody in the studio just freezes and stares at me and I couldn't work out what was going on. So I carried on reading and then through to another track and they went to the track, put the microphones off and they just went, you cannot say that word. I was like, well, why? It's a swear word, Charlene. I was like, ah, no. Oh. No, on, on B- daytime BBC radio, oh. I swore and didn't realise. Um <laughs> Like, yeah. That's that's, scared, that's giving me the fear right now. And then I, the, the song finished. I think it was a Kanye West song. Song finished, and then I just get. I apologise for my language earlier on in the program. I hadn't actually realised that, and everybody was absolutely wetting me <laughs> yeah. because I was. I think there was still quite an innocence to me in my early twenties. Really, it's, of course, that innocence isn't there anymore. But there you just, go. <laughs> that's what happens with life,
0: right? The innocence, yeah. innocence slowly goes. Uh, right, here's here's her. Uh, here's our other. Okay. My family's from Jamaica too. What's your favourite
1: thing about Jamaica? <gasps>
0: have
1: they been, by the way? Have they been yet?
0: The kids have never been. Um what? I know, the kids have never been and this is on our this is on our plan for this year. Obviously we have, but the kids yeah. have never been. Yeah. <gasps> yeah. And we were it's actually so we were actually planning to go in twenty twenty um because I wanted Alea to meet my granddad and then unfortunately he passed away Aww. um yeah he passed away so he he didn't get to meet her unfortunately but yeah I still really want to show her you know yeah. where he lived and you know yeah so I, I'm, re- uh, I'm really excited about it actually
1: yeah I, I mean we would we wanted to go in 20, in 2019 2019, yeah, the, when the first year of the pandemic is when I wanted to take... Because Alfie's been... Alfie, we took Alfie when he was just turned one. And I basically wanted to take Florence before I had to pay for her seat. Um, but then yeah. the pandemic hit, and um, now we've got to pay for
0: four seats. I know. Um. It's, honestly, it's actually a joke. And oh. they spend the whole time sitting on you anyway. Yes! <laughs> such a waste of money! Such it's such a waste, of money. a waste of money. At least make it three, not two.
1: Honestly. Um, so, yeah, so I, we will. Uh, I think we're, we're, maybe this Christmas or next summer we're going uh, to take, take them because my dad lives there for half the year. But my, um, my favourite thing about Jamaica is family. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, I don't know, there's something about sort of going to my, my Auntie Annette, who I absolutely adore lives there and there's something about sitting in her kitchen making food with her um she's also you know before she retired she was a hairdresser and the salon was in the basement that just makes me feel centered it's like if you are you know our lives you know we're working parents so our lives are just all over the place and just all over the place and yes we can go to holiday on holidays lots of other different places have a really relaxing time there's something about For me, being in Jamaica and and sitting in my aunt's kitchen, that, yes, centres me and relaxes me, but also makes me almost feel childlike again because she will just do everything. She'll cook, she'll cook for me. She'll, you know, I can't be in a house unless I'm eating. You know, she'll do everything. And I think because I haven't got a mum around that does that, being in Jamaica with my family, because they don't see me, obviously, that often because I live on the other side of the world, they, they, it, it is almost like you revert back to being a child. Um, and that's just... That's very grounding. It's very... It just centres me. It's almost like a reboot. And I felt that when I did the, the documentary in lots of other different ways. But there is something about landing on that soil in Jamaica that just makes me feel whole and that's that's for me is the best thing about jamaica is i can fly to lots of other far-flung places in the world none of those places will make me feel like jamaica feels when i step off that plane
0: yeah it's
1: like home yeah basically it's home
0: Yeah. yeah oh i love that i love that that is so special so we do something called my little tips and it's essentially us trying to get advice <laughs> from you um but i wanted what i wanted to ask you is actually a little bit different i you've obviously just celebrated just last week yeah. one year at loose at yeah. loose women which is incredible and how quick I just remember I remember watching your first episode and being like yes <laughs> this is what we need and and, and feet and, and not knowing you but feeling so thrilled for you oh, um you and it's been one year and I mean wow that's flown by but what I what I wanted to ask you well congratulations firstly um but what I wanted to ask you is, you know, we have this is the parenting and podcast. Lots of different parents listen to this, and you know, you've had a great career for a long time. But that that was a real career defining moment for you, a real sort of turn of the dial. And what I what I wanted your advice on is, we, you know, there's lots of women that I suppose might go back to work, and and dads too after maternity or whatever it might be and you can have one job and then overnight amazingly so be offered that big promotion which I suppose essentially what that what that switch to loose was how do you and how did you go from living your day to day in your routine in the way that your work is But that dynamic really changing when you get that big promotion, how do you try and keep that balance in your home life and not let it change too much? Because naturally it's going to. And there's lots of people will be in that situation where you might be back from maternity leave. You've now got a family and that's also a job. And then you get offered that big career changing moment which you can't turn down you can't say no to but you've still got to make everything else work how how did you do that
1: uh it's teamwork really so Andy and I um you know I wouldn't have taken the job without sort of talking it through with Andy and working out how we could make it work basically And it is that understanding that we are both working parents and no one person ought to have a load more responsibility than the other. Um, And how organisation-wise, organisational-wise, we can sort of, you know, balance it out. Thursdays are my loose days, so it, it's it 's me getting up early in the morning i 'll get the kids together um, make sure their bags are packed, and I will sit them down having breakfast and then Andy takes over and then he finishes off breakfast, gets them finished off for school and nursery and then drops them off is how our sort of Thursday mornings go but in terms of if if anyone's sort of listening and and is thinking about whether or not they should take a promotion once they 've had kids it's about you can't do it without being organized basically um and you will drop the ball at points um but the way that I always look at it is my kids know they're loved they my kids know that they're cared for my kids are fed and watered and they don't want for anything they definitely don't want for for love they are so loved and at the moment at which I sort of feel like they're not getting enough love or that things are starting to really impact them then I will reassess the things that I do but at the moment we are organized enough to make sure that that doesn't doesn't happen and I also I don't fret about things that I may well have forgotten if if Alfie goes into school in his normal uniform rather than PE kit well I'm not going to sort of sit there and crumble as a result it's like well fine I'll just have to run around in his PE kit and his um, school clothes it's not going to kill him it's fine yeah I would just say you know work makes me happy and my kids make me happy I think I'm a better parent by working and I went back to work when both kids were eight months old I went back to work because I don't do well being at home I'm, with I'm just you. not built in that way mm-hmm. I'm not embarrassed mm-hmm. to say that I'm just not and uh you know as they sort of as I was reaching the eight months I could feel myself loving being a parent but really like I just can't do this like on a full-time basis yeah you were um, ready. because yeah and I know that I'm a better parent I'm happier if I'm working so in terms of taking on more work you know it works for me at the moment it works for us as a family at the moment the moment that changes then we'll we'll reassess yeah yeah I you know I would never tell Andy not to take something because we have kids I'll say well look how can we make this work for all of us um and vice versa that's sort of how how we do things and I'm very lucky to as you are to be very lucky to have partners that get that but then I yeah. would say I wouldn't be with
0: someone who didn't get it to be honest yeah um, yeah yeah <laughs> so. yeah we you're you're right we are both lucky that we have present partners and that we do you know it was very different for my mum that raised me alone and I do think when I look at her I think goodness me and she worked every job under the sun and I think I think do you know what it's so right and what I take from what you're saying is that whether it's work whether it's play whatever it is we're all better
1: parents when we're happy well exactly exactly and you know I wouldn't at this stage in my life say I was offered a job in I don't know Manchester for example I'm not my kids are not of an age where I want to be commuting to and from Manchester and I want to keep them around their family I want them to keep to stay in London so things like that I just it just can't that wouldn't happen and that's
0: exactly what you know people say to me a lot do you think the Saturdays will ever get back together and I I say for me I really I would I cannot picture that and it's not because of there's a drama and we don't like each other it's it's actually for me the sheer fact that wouldn't work for me and my family it just wouldn't there's no way I can picture constantly being on tour and in you know up north one minute and here the other and on a flight it just that doesn't my kids are everything and my family and yes we're both lucky that we're successful in our fields but the success has to come around that there's no you know and and, and that's the way it is yeah.
1: and it's also being honest about that so i had a friend who was offered a job in leeds not that long ago um, and has kids and stuff. And she's. And I was thinking, you know, maybe I could go for it and then commute up and down. I said, like, well, look, here's what's going to happen. Yes, you could do that. And, you know, your husband obviously would hold the fort down here. I get that. I said, but do you know what you'll be doing a lot on that journey up and to and from Leeds? Are the the girls all right? Um, Did I remember to do this? Did I remember to do that? Oh God, I'm going to end up missing this again. I'm going to end up missing that. And that is what's going to fill your head in that journey to and from Leeds. Constantly, that's what's going to fill your head. If you feel like you can deal with that and with being like a high flying boss as you will be if you take that job, if you feel emotionally you can deal with that, then fine but you have to be honest with yourself. Yeah. And if you feel that you can't and it'll just become too all consuming, then just just don't take it.
0: Yeah. But yeah. have
1: faith in your own ability that not taking that doesn't mean it's the end of your career. Have faith in your ability that other opportunities will arise. Yeah. yeah. Never think this is the last thing I can ever do. No, have faith in your own ability that things will work themselves out. Absolutely
0: that, absolutely that. Well, oh, my goodness me. There's so much we can take from that. You are absolutely brilliant. Thank you so much, Charlene. You have been wonderful. This is actually my last episode in the series, (gasps) and I wanted to do you last. Marv's actually really offended. He was like, can I go last? I'm like, no, I want Charlene. No, no. (laughs) Sorry, Marv, no. (laughs) Uh, so thank you so much and yeah there's so much that we can all take from this you are an absolute fountain of knowledge in so many ways more than you actually realize actually so thank you and congratulations for everything it's so nice to see you flourishing and see you flying even if i'd see it on instagram and on tv i'm like whoop whoop cheering you in the distance
1: weird and it's not like a telly thing i think we treat things very differently Television-wise, our sort of generation of doing stuff, and they're a lot older than you, Russia. Yeah. Um, But it's that sort of thing where it's it's vice versa. I kind of see the amount of wonderful things that you're like constantly doing, and you know the the way you let your creativity just flow, both as a broadcaster and a businesswoman, and as a parent. And I just think you know you should just be patting yourself on the back every day because it's not easy what you do, and I know that, but you do it so well, and I think you're an inspiration to a lot of. A lot, not just parents, just a lot of women, full stop, really. You're
0: very kind. That is so lovely. Thank you for saying so. I mean, I'm just winging it. <laughs> and I think that's that's what it all comes down to. I'm very lucky. Wing it
1: well. I love what I do. Winging
0: it well. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Hashtag winging it well. <laughs> well, thank you so much for taking the time. And we have absolutely loved having you on the podcast.
1: Thank you, darling. It's my pleasure to talk to you.
0: Thanks again to the amazing Charlene. What a perfect way to end the series. Well, that's it. Can't believe we finished season one of the My Little Coco podcast. I've absolutely loved it. And I really hope you have too. Thanks again to the wonderful Charlene, to my sponsor boots, and of course to you lovely lot for listening. For more helpful products and inspiration on all things baby, visit the advice section on boots.com today. You'll also receive helpful advice and inspirations completely tailored to your stage of pregnancy or for the age of your child. And if you download the Boots app, you'll receive digital offers too.